0: Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 304. And today's uh, is, well, I get a lot of questions and I have a lot of uh, private lessons with people that are not only just here in the state, in Colorado, but also um, people that live far away. And we do a video thing um, where we do some private lessons over that and there's one person that's just in a perfect position that's working with the dog and I I had told this person that I said I'm going to do a podcast that's just for you and everyone else that is in the same position as you because he's got a I'd say 12 13 14 week old uh, uh, puppy a pointing lab, so the upland part is a big deal and I'll just say whether they point or flush the upland part is a big deal when they're young but particularly with pointing it's it's a and he bought a he bought a really good dog he said I get these videos and it's just like holy cow this is a really good dog I mean the dog is just like all in on everything so I just wanted to talk about uh at right about that age uh some things to do and a little bit of detail because you know in the book I tell everybody what to do and and here in the podcast I tell people what to do and in the videos I have it shows people on some of the fundamental things but I'm going to kind of put it together right now for people with puppies that are getting them soon or have them right now. So these little guys grow up uh, very quickly. So when they're eight weeks old and you get them, they're kind of, you know, they can run around and they still have puppy breath. Just awesome. And they're adorable. And if their eyes are developed enough and they're and their little minds are developed enough, you know, they can retrieve. Some of them can kind of do a point kind of a thing then, too. You know, I've seen eight weeks old just lock up and other eight week olds have absolutely no clue that that's a bird that they just stepped on. Uh, So don't worry too much about that stuff. Um, but they grow at different rates and not only do they physically grow at different rates but emotionally and then their ability to process and think like I said people always talk about a dog's nose how good is their nose and I'm gonna I always say I'm sure that literally the olfactory cells and the nasal packs, passages are are significant and a factor in that but I would say the greater one is once those olfactory nerves are stimulated and they go up to the central processing unit, how well are they processed? You know, because dogs don't come born knowing what a bird is and knowing, they don't know, they know nothing. You know, they know food and mom and a little bit of stuff like that. They don't know this. So some, it, it computes fairly easily after an exposure or two or even the first one. And some, it just doesn't compute. It just doesn't register. So all of this stuff isn't all flowing between the nerves, and then the, what what they what they make of that, you know, the nerves send the information up there, but it doesn't have anywhere that it can, it doesn't have a department against to go to and get uh, get interpreted. So be cautious about reading. You know, if, if your little eight week old goes and locks up, that you know that's a real positive. If they don't or they don't recognize it, do not misread that as anything because it you know it could be yeah the worst dog in the world or the best dog in the world but it's just everything isn't putting it all together and that's across the whole board so I can't tell you at this many weeks start doing this but when you bring them home and they're eight weeks old if they can retrieve and you got to throw their eyes don't see very far you see if you know if it's a retriever you know try to do a little bit of retrieving okay in in the hallway or in the living room on the back steps, whatever it is, try to do that if the dog gets it where they can see it. And you increase your demand with that as their eyes get better, as they figure out what's happening, as they begin to understand what's being uh, asked of them. And when they, you know, the desire to retrieve, that just fundamental part of them that's on their DNA to go retrieve, when that starts getting triggered and brought out, then you're going to go do... A little bit of that, not a lot. More is never better. More is always horrible. So, (laughs) just do a little bit so that they, you know, want to go again and again and then stop. Um, So that's the retrieving part. The bird introduction is another part. Um, And most people, when you when you get by a good pointing lab from good pointing lab breeders, I know they tell you a lot of stuff, or maybe they've even take you out and show you a bird introduction, but no matter how difficult it is, for some people, the person that I'm referring to here is out there, has the perfect bird in the perfect situation. So that's really nice. Not everybody has that. Find a way somehow, if you're going to buy one of these dogs, uh, that you can go get your dog, not on, you don't want a little puppy on a pheasant. You know, even a chucker sometimes it need, have makes me a little one. I used to get on my eight-week-old in my chucker pan when there'd be one that had been getting beat up or was old or I don't, wasn't okay entirely. I, that's what I would put out because it wasn't going to just run away. and and it, But it wasn't, no blood on them, you know, because they're not supposed to point the injured ones. They're supposed to retrieve them. Um, I would use those, but quail are really nice. Small birds small birds that they can that'll stay there long enough for them to create enough scent so that when the little dog goes by if they can make sense of scent, that they can do that so you just watch your dog uh you know don't force anything that's don't force anything I would have absolutely I would have no launchers I would have no bird cage I would have nothing that is not what you're all about and that is a bird that's in there that hopefully doesn't smell too much like you, you know, don't carry it all bound up in your gloves and your chest out there to put it down so it smells as much like you as it does a bird. Be aware of that. If you teach these guys that where you put birds is, always smells like uh, a metal cage or smells like a metal launcher or smells like uh, you, then that becomes built into what they're looking for when they're out there. So to the best of your ability, um, you want to be able to have the bird scent out there and, and little else with that at all. And there's a whole science of stuff to that. But that's, so that's very important because if you can, as I've mentioned in a number of these recent podcasts, if you can kick in that little part of their brain, if you can stimulate the little retrieving part, and if you can stimulate the little bird part, um you will never regret that you don't want to you know do nothing but that there's a balance here with all the pieces to this to these dogs that you want but stimulating that pointing thing early uh is is invaluable i will say that you don't want to do it every day of the week again i've always done it once a week that just worked really well kept everything in balance they didn't learn that they were just hunting hoonyaks and run wild and that's all they tuned me out because at a little. A little one you don't uh, you don't uh, you can't control them they just need to learn about the bird so unlike I know a lot of people I never put on a little puppy there's no cords on them again I I can go after an 8 week old or a 10 week old puppy I don't it's not gonna run away or do it in a place where there's too much cover that they would really be able to run away Um, in a very safe place obviously But that part is very important. And the the individual that I'm sort of tailoring this for has done an excellent job. Except for, uh, I would say, one thing that I saw that I would just explain. So when you're doing, you don't want your dog really ever to learn to catch birds. But they're going to catch birds. When when they get really bold and really uh, intense about this stuff, that becomes their goal for a while. So instead of what I have tended never to do is get cords on puppies. I don't think that makes sense to them. It's just like a, it's a a argument between the two of you. I want it. And you're saying, well, you don't get it. And I've never found that to be useful, particularly on the little guys. Um, But what I don't want them to make a habit of is having a bird that they go in there and grab, because if they can go catch, you know, don't put dead birds out. And, and I know some people have told me that they've taken their dead chucker and put them out there. And it's like, no, I, you know, you can do that with a flushing dog because, you know, they're gonna, they're supposed to go out and bring up whatever's out there. And if they grab it, that's okay, too. Not true with our dogs. So don't put out any dead birds. Um, put out live birds and hopefully birds that can get away. And as soon as the dog gets a little bit bigger and stronger and fat and faster on this then you really want to make sure that the bird is put down lightly or is put in cover that it isn't going to get caught i used to like about six or eight inch alfalfa for that you could put a bird in that and you know dog can't see it and dog smells it and the bird can move and so when it gets to that try to not to have them catchable if it, but they're going to catch them it's not the end of the world you know, every wonderful 4X triple crown dog I've ever had anything to do with at some point in their life has caught a bird. And maybe some uh, some a lot <laughs> in the beginning. So what you want to do is have birds that aren't going to be catchable. Um, and if, if your dog does, even the little guys, even if your little 8 or 10 or 12 week old puppy catches a bird, do not let them uh, learn that this is a fun toy. Okay, as soon as they have gotten where they are on that bird or, or grabbing it or something, do what you can, just get over it, just open the mouth, take the bird out, stick it in your vest, and just end that situation right there. Don't punish them, don't yell at them. Um, they ain't not going to make any sense to them. But just don't let them believe that this is a toy or a fun thing because nowhere ever in your hunting or competitive career is mangling a bird going to be something you want them to do. Um, when you fail in a competition and two hunting, that's your bird. <laughs> that's like that's dinner, right? So no, you're not gonna do any damage to this bird. So have them on their own learn to scent stuff and this little dog And I've seen this a lot when I love going out with people and puppies I just love watching puppies because you can just see their little brain and you know, they've got scent, they've got sight they've got the feeling of the environment and the wind and the stuff and the cover and what how it feels under their feet and they've got all these things and they're trying to noodle this out and they begin to become familiar with this bird scent and you can see them uh, when they get a, a whiff but maybe just a whiff and they're not sure and with more exposures over time you see where they do get that very first whip whiff, then they know and this little dog today that i saw um, she went. She went downwind uh, of this bird and just stopped. Now it wasn't like a you know head down tail up, any of that stuff. She smelled. There was a bird in there. I didn't know it. I'm just watching the video. It's like wow, that looks like a point to me. And she just stopped. And just stopped. And so I, I even said, I said, I, I think you probably saw your first point right there because she got that convinced because the bird was there. So I know it was convincing scent. She got it. She just froze which is a really nice thing to see. And then finally couldn't stand it and moved in and then chased the bird uh, and cha- and got to chase it. You know, you don't be calling them off. Birds are not trouble. So on a little puppy, you know, but the cover was high enough that she couldn't see where it went after a while and she had to come back. Absolutely perfect, right? So she really liked the bird. The bird brought no negative consequences. She had actually frozen when she first encountered what she felt was uh, a real scent and then went after it and everything was, was, was good. So in the cover, you know, you, you gotta have these guys, especially the little guys, you gotta cover is probably one of your biggest training tools. You don't want them necessarily to see the bird, right? But you want them to put it on the outside of the cover so that whatever breeze is there, if you put it in the middle of the dead center, then they're going to have to go in and walk on it to be able to find the scent. So there's a lot to bird planning as well. Make sure that they can, that the scent is going to leave the cover area in wherever the dog's going to be going by so they can get that. So that's, 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 just if you can do that with some frequency and you're going to have to start changing how you put birds down and where you put birds down and eventually when they get older a little bit you know four five six months depending if you have like a maniac again use cover so they can't see where the bird goes or trees or stuff like that but you may actually at some point have to put on a real long cord so you can at least step on it and to stop them from just taking off generally Generally, I haven't ever had that problem, but sometimes they they do get that way. Or if you're doing upland and they and they manage to catch a bird, run it down, or reach in and grab it, or whatever, and then they run away and they don't let you have it. Okay, it might be time to stop doing the upland for a little bit and re regain change your balance a little bit so you got a little bit more control. I had that on. She, uh, a dog that I had had profiled for about two years on podcasts and on the facebook page and she was one that in the beginning pointed like for two minutes um well not as a puppy she pointed but not two minutes but when she was three four months old she just hold for two minutes it was great and then all of the, the i'm growing up i like this a lot i'm feeling kind of powerful and then she would point and then she would bust the bird up like they all do until you're they're old enough to start putting more of the control stuff on, and she if she could catch it, she, I she didn't let me have it. Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't ever train with anger, but it's like okay, this isn't happening again. And so we stopped, and I can't remember. It was probably about two weeks, and we went back and did a lot of work on the obedience stuff, where it's like when I call you, um, you will be coming. <laughs> Not with electricity and stuff like that, you guys, but but uh (laughs) that's always kind of frustrating and it's a part of what happens on that so i just just know that so but if they do get to ever get it and they don't let you have it either use the cord or stop um because that's don't let any of the bad habits start, and that's a common theme and a thing I wanted to bring up on these on this puppy thing. On um, and I'm even talking about the little guys. You cannot correct an eight or ten or uh, even a twelve week old. You know, you can't go in there and go, no, you must not do this. It it just it's just not really in a good context for them. The easiest way on people and dogs on those young dogs is not to let them. Um, develop the bad habits to start so like grabbing birds and running away with them don't let them learn that um and don't let them learn that they can just take off and never come back you know the walk is supposed to kind of take care of that for you and it usually does but just don't let them if they're grabbing birds then either change how you're planting them or what you've got or something like that just don't let bad habits start but don't be in there correcting them you know putting them on a cord telling them what they have to do because that can in many dogs not all but in many of them create resentment and then they're just going to wait until they have a chance to push back and then they will and then everyone's just dumbfounded why are they doing that it's like because you have just torqued down on them so much and now you can't and they're going to just do their own thing so just don't let the bad habits uh develop Now let's talk about puppy retrieving. Okay, we only want to do two, three, or four, no matter how awesome your dog is. Um, And the one that I, that elicited this podcast, I think he does like three or four. So perfect. And the dog loves it. But now the dog, it's not, when they're eight weeks old, you're just down, you you know, and you hold on to them and hold their little chest up so they can see, because they're only about What's five inches off the ground? Sort of stand them up on their back legs, throw it, you know, let them go when it's in the air, and then encourage them to come back to you. I wouldn't make them, I, I would encourage them. You gotta be able to have a little 8 we go puppy, get down, make quick noises, move backwards, get them to come back to you. Teach them from day one. You go out, and you come back. That's why Walter's always had everybody doing it in the hallway. Throw it down the hallway, they have to come back. <laughs> so but that's you know do that now when they start to get where now you got to kind of check it out there and they're a little bit bigger and this dog that i that i saw today he was a big tall guy and he's a little bitty dog and so he has to get down on his knees and try to hold the dog down and also throw this canvas bumper and try to keep her there and it's a lot to do so what you can start doing is now this is on grass so this is real easy to do this and this is what I told them. I said stand up you're gonna to have to bend over but you're not gonna to have to get down on your knees anymore put a, a short cord on the stock a real easy one that isn't you know that doesn't have much friction on it that can just go through the grass or whatever you've got you're throwing through and come back put so you're gonna hold on either to to the cord or the collar and then have the dog sit squarely you know they should do everything squarely and then put your left foot dogs on the left side in this case put put your left foot down on the little dog's tail now I didn't say step on it right Uh, common sense just wait so that you can hold the now when they get a little older you might have to put a little bit more on there but just have your foot on their tail so you are holding their little bottoms down in a sit position and if they first they get all riled up and upset about it or whatever they'll get over it very quickly if not day one day two you know, some of them just don't care. They want to retrieve it no matter what. And others, you know, you just have to say, sorry, listen, sit up. You've got, you either hold them by the collar or the leash with the collar and then just put your foot on there. And they will do that because that's how we get to retrieve. So now your dog is in a seated position, not moving until you're ready, not wiggling, not turning circles, not kind of redirecting all of the energy and the effort so and they know after two days of this they know exactly what's going to happen so you have either your hand on the dog's collar or the leash holding the dog head up your left foot if they're on the right side of your right foot on their little tail keeping their bottom down that gives you a little bit more movement to throw the bumper throw the bumper Now, you know, if they're still learning this stuff, send them when it's in the air. If you're beginning to be able to have more control over their retrieve, let it hit the ground before you send them. Now, we're not trying to make them steady at this age, but we are teaching them that there are rules here. And that you sit and you don't move and you watch so if you're ever in a duck blind or a goose blind or you want a dog that's steady to, to wing and shot out in the upland field here's where we teach them when you do retrieves you do it from i I'm sitting still and so that's why you don't let them wiggle squiggle turn it into a, a wrestling match between the two of you foot on the foot on the tail hand on the leash throw with your other one send them whenever appropriate And just make that become the habit. And it will become the habit. They will come up, sit down, and they won't move. They won't scoot forward. They won't jump around. You know, and those dogs, maybe some of you have seen, you know, those about six-month-old dogs that are just crazy. I mean, just like little drug addicts. They love it so much. And if they've been allowed to be wild and crazy as a little puppy, they're going to be 60-pound wild and crazy dogs that don't want to sit still so much easier to never let them learn that that exists now if they don't want to retrieve much then let's don't make them then let's get them where they are really interested in and but if they are really good retrievers teach them you're just going to sit still now on the return they need to come back to you so in, in this one case that I'm talking about, what I, the dog ran out there, just ran out there, scooped that thing up, came running back right to it, and then right past him. And then to uh, the significant other person who was doing the filming for this thing. And so my thing was there, okay, that little dog came right to you. If you'd had a little sh- that little short cord on there, then you could just merely st- stop the dog and bring it to you have it sit down if 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 the dog's still holding on to the bumper great have them just come in sit down if they drop it that's okay too but encourage hold as much as you can that's always encourage them you know let them sit down and then just remove it from their mouth no pulling do not make that an issue you can just open their jaw take it out it disappears but the the going out that was great and the coming back could have been great but when you let the dog do flybys or you let the dog run around you and you allow him to do it you are teaching them to do it that makes that okay so this is another part of that um, don't let any bad habits start that don't need to be there again if this dog didn't have a lot of desire then yeah we'll just do anything encourage it you know, anything to get it to like retrieving. But this little dog really like retrieving. So it would be very easy, one, to just keep that little bottom down. Watch. Don't be swinging your head around. You know, when you try and just hold them just by the neck, you know they'll start swinging their head around to get it loose from you to go get it. When they're little like this one is right now, you can never, that doesn't need to start either. Don't let it start. They just watch and then they go. So that's a, and then... And if they can learn to do that without losing any interest in their retrieve, do it. If it causes them to lose interest, do not do it. It's that simple. And then on the return, that little dog is running back. Get that cord. Just wheel that little dog in to sit down and like, this is what you always do. Always do. Don't let the bad habits start. And, you know, that cord is real nice. You can just walk up with that so that they're walking next to you. And then you can sit down and put your little your hand on their or your foot on their tail and do some retrieves and it's all easy and by doing that same way all the time um that becomes what they do and i will mention on this and in the obedience thing that i'm going to talk about and in the up when you're out doing stuff in the field only speak when necessary not any other time i feel very strongly about that and i i see people all the time who obviously feel exactly the opposite but Sit needs to mean sit. We want to save this dog's life a year from now or two years from now when we have to call it or tell it to sit down or something and it just does it. So let's start right now. So when you walk up there and, and you sit down with the dog facing where you're going to throw, tell it to sit, put your foot in there, done. By saying sit over and over and over again, I know some other schools of training think that then they that makes it more easy to associate Uh Sit with the action in the the word. (laughs) But actually what it does is teach them that you say a lot of things and eventually you mean it. Instead of when you say sit, it means it, so they sit. So make that, it's just so much more simple. It is just so much easier for a dog that hears sit and knows it has to sit. And the only way it does that is when it hears sit and then it's made to sit. So I would approach every interaction, even with the little 12 week old that way I'm not going to say anything unless it's important and by doing that when they're young like this when they get older um, and you go out in the field or you're doing work and you say something the dog listens but if you talk a lot and say a lot of stuff then they have to wait for that certain decibel level Or that certain little anger tinge. And then they know they have to pay attention. So don't do that. Teach them that any time you say something, it is significant. And it is wonderful to work with a dog like that. Particularly when you're going to be going doing the upland stuff. Where it's really nice if you don't have to constantly be telling them, hunt close, come back, turn around, do this. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to say anything at all. (laughs) Actually, other than send them on a retrieve when it comes time. So, practice making your communication with them be very meaningful. And you do that by saying the word once and then having them do it. And it's very easy to do, particularly with a little dog. So, on the retrieves, walk up, sit down, watch, go and send, come back, you come right back, you sit down, you hand it to me, and then we'll walk somewhere and do another one. So, kind of crunched down now the last topic that I'm going to talk about on this is obedience now if you have a dog that is not highly interested in say the birds and the retrieving then we're not going to crank too hard on the obedience because that's also not going to be fun but when you have these dogs that are salivating to go do this other stuff we need obedience and the time to do obedience is when you feel like you need it not when somebody told you in a book or at a training session Oh, that age, you must start this. You do it when you need it. And then once you start it, I would. this is just me having done it forever and ever and ever. Once I started on a little guy, I don't care if it's 12 or 14 weeks, if I'm going to, okay, we're going to do heal and sit. We're going to do heal and sit. I'm not going to make suggestions. I'm not going to let them get away with kind of doing it. I'm not going to use anything mean. I'm not going to do bad stuff. But when I say sit, they will sit. And when I say heal, they will heal. And they, heal, is a, heal is a position. So, and, and I want to make sure I get this across. Heal is a position. It's actually uh, not an action any more than getting into the correct position. So sit is a position and heal is a position here or whatever you used to call your dog is an action to be taken to get into a certain position. <laughs> so position is very important in this. People think of it more like an action thing and and if I can switch that around. So sit as we know sit means your bottom's down squarely, not cocked over to the side so your bones and muscles do funny things. So sit means drop your bottom. So you say the word sit and then the bottom goes down. If you need to use your foot on the tail a little bit to hold it there, but the dog needs to learn that when I hear the word sit, that sound, then my bottom goes down and I stay there until I hear another sound that is meaningful. So believe it or not, you guys, the good dog, good dog thing in the middle of that is rarely very important. If a dog is getting a little bit ruffled and a little bit kind of confused or maybe overwhelmed by what you're doing, then, as opposed to good dog, which is kind of a, a, a big, forceful thing, reach down and touch them, or just say, "Man, you're okay." You just a, just, and they don't know what "oh, you're okay" means. It doesn't mean anything, but they can tell by the sound of your voice that they're they're okay, that you're okay, that nothing bad is happening here. If they get upset because they have to remain seated, you know, sometimes they'll do that. Oh, I can't, I cannot keep my bottom down. It's like, yeah, you can. If they get upset, you know, I'm gonna go. You're all right. And I'll touch them real lightly. You're all right. I'm not telling them, good dog, because they're not a good dog. They're fighting me. Don't lie to them about that stuff. But I'll reassure them, you're okay. But you do have to sit. And then, so sit means sit. Heel means pick a side. And don't start two-sided. If you want to get all the two-sided stuff, do that a little further down the line. Pick a side. You know, if you're right-handed, most right-handed people have dog on the left side and vice versa. But have them on the left side. That's what heel means. Be over here, you know, rib to rib, hip to hip, whatever, at at my left side. That's what heel means. So when you say heel and you're moving, it means move with me and remain at my left side. And if you're over there six feet away from me and I say heel, that means come over here to my left side. And if I change direction, it means change direction with me and stay at my left side. So heel is a position. So when you're teaching heel, it, when once you decide to do it with a little dog, it doesn't mean kind of fling generally around on a leash with me. It means be at my left side. And so if you get that into your head and then just have the dog do it, it's not asking too much. They can walk down a, a path or a road or a sidewalk at your left side. Now, in the beginning, they're going to object because that's nothing they've ever done and it's not how their mind works give them that this is a real unnatural thing dogs in the wild do not do this so yeah it's a real unnatural thing but once you say all right i commit i'm going to teach heal so you're going to walk along they're going to be at your left side right and if they're pulling ahead instead of we're not going to do a bunch of trick obedience corrections that we could do with a dog that was older uh a little more savvy about stuff and you could use a little bit more physical uh, enforcement on this stuff so if the dog's pulling ahead it's what I told him I said do a 180 don't turn into the dog turn so the dog has to come around to you do a 180 and tell him to heal and keep up with you and don't say that just say heal but what's so what you're saying hey keep up with me you're supposed to be at my side so you can use reasonable not abrupt not like we're doing a, a German army march thing here but so they walk along and and then you keep them you've got the leash keep them over there on your left side keep them in the position and then when you say sit they sit so that's how And once you start the here thing which is where they're sitting in front of you and you call them and they come to you and you have like the front finish where they come around ultimately when they bring a bird back you don't want them behind you because then you can't see if they're going to rip the bird up behind you so they come in on your left side, whirl in towards you and sit down. Eventually, get get to that. Don't don't teach it all in one day. Sit and heal is enough. And eventually, when that now then then you can add the here to it. But a here has to have a beginning and an ending. So whenever you do do here, they're sitting in front of you, four feet from oh, three feet away from you on the leash. Say here, back up, bring them to you, tell them to sit right in front of you, right. Then you can say, you can back up a little bit, say here, continue to back up. So here is a process. Here is a way of getting into a position. So that's why you kind of move backwards, have them sit in front of you. Okay, when they'll do that stuff, they're coming in, say here, then tell them to heal. That's a position. So now they have to go over on your left side. And in the beginning, you can move a little bit to help them. They go over onto your left side, face forward with you, and sit down. So that's but so that would take a while right that would take a few weeks to get all that but they would get that but the key isn't to kind of generally introduce a little bit of it once you're going to start do it Heel means be at my left side and then you can add make it more interesting and add challenges to it and ways to make it interesting as they get better and better but once the, the thing that I would strongly encourage people to do once you start it you're in don't it's like it's like uh, skydiving You can't change your mind kind of halfway in there. I mean, once you're out the plane, you're out the plane. So commit. So do that with this stuff. Um, Sit is the first time I say it. You sit. I'm prepared to enforce it. I've got the leash. So I have control of this body. And it can't go anywhere or do anything that I don't want it to do. So you've got to be kind of type A and kind of drive this thing. And don't let any bad habits start. And then at the end... You know, praise the heck out of them, good dog, and and move on and, and don't, you know, just let them be because they're puppies. Attention span of these little guys is very short. And because within this period of time that you're going to be teaching them on the obedience, don't do it all at the same time. But then once you got obedience, use that walking up to where you're going to do your retrieves. You Heel up, sit down, tell them sit, then you can throw. Kind of cool, you start to put it all together. But definitely this when you do it basically demand pers- perfection of yourself of yourself I didn't say the dog of yourself so when you give the command sit make sure you're in a position to have the dog sit right then when you say heal make sure you are in a position with your leash to make sure the dog is at your left side moving with you you need to do that well that way the dog just learns that when I walk I walk at their left side and when when they say sit I sit So the perfection isn't the dog, it's you. But if you do it that way, then the dog will just look great and do everything right. But to demand that much mental focus on a little baby brain, and some of ours too, but anyway, on a little baby brain, I'm going to say two minutes, if that, two minutes and stop. Your brain can go a little longer. Some of ours can go a long time. Some of us, not very long. But the puppy, we're not going your brain's how long you can focus we're going to go with how long that little puppy can focus which in the beginning don't do more than about two minutes and you always want to end with some good success if things kind of go funny and it goes wrong dog gets upset tries to flip over on the leash on its back like oh i hate this you know i've had I had some horror stories with naked i actually had to drag her a little bit on her back because uh, i went too long before i started the obedience so then, you know, she just said, no, I can't do it. So <laughs> we had quite the thing. Um, but it was over in one day. But you don't have to do that. Start a little bit earlier. Teach the dog. He'll see if they get riled up or something and they start jumping up and down a flinging. Just take off walking. Get them with you. Um, get the situation back under control where there's no panic or upsetness. Have them heal and sit a few times. End on an upbeat, positive. They did it. You're happy. Everything is good. And end right there. So... For, for the little guys, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 weeks, you got to decide with your dog. You know, they got to love the birds. They got to love the retrieving. And when they do, then get whatever obedience you can that doesn't retract from that. But once you commit to obedience, no havesies. You can't jump out of the airplane and still be attached and just let them drag you around because you change your mind. Just have them, just commit to the obedience. One word, one command, one action. And remember, sit and heal our positions. All right. Heal, here is just a the process of getting into whatever position you want them in. So think about it that way and then teach that way. So I have a feeling that'll help. I look forward to seeing the video on how this works after a little bit. That's, but that's for little puppies. So if you get them going without any bad habits... Life is so much easier. I just ask you to trust me on that one. Do that extra work right now. As long as you're not detracting from the dog, the, the dogs' love of doing the retrieving and the stuff that they love, then it's what you're doing is okay. And don't just don't let the bad habits get started. It's so much easier. That's today's snowstorm. It was I ran a big race in Moab, Utah, this weekend. Um, it was. In a t-shirt and shorts. I mean, it was just so, it was so beautiful and nice. And now, right outside here, we got basically a blizzard going. So, ah, oh, wintertime in the in the Rocky Mountains. So, I uh, look forward to seeing some of the, the the videos on these little guys. I just love that stuff. Um, and we'll I will report in. We'll see how these two are doing over a little bit of time. I wish everybody the best. Uh, hope you had a good Valentine's Day. And now we got St. Patrick's coming up, so everybody wear green and and uh, luck of the Irish. And I will be back next week.